Let us bow our heads for prayer. Shine within our hearts, loving Lord, with the true light of your divine knowledge and open the eyes of our minds that we may comprehend the message of your word. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Old Testament reading this morning comes from Psalm 82, verses 1 through 8. Listen for the word of the Lord. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. Give justice to the weak and the orphan. Maintain the right of the lowly and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk around in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I say you are gods, children of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, you shall die like mortals and fall like any prince. Rise up, O God, judge the earth, for all the nations belong to you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Today's New Testament scripture comes from the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Listen for the word of the Lord. An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to, be vindicate, wanting to vindicate himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and took off, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on by the side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came upon him, and when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, treating them with oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three 
do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, use me as your vessel to speak your truth. Be with us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today's sermon title is, Who is Your Neighbor? At first glance, this passage can be easily misinterpreted as pointing the finger at a particular person or group of people, criticizing one group of people and exalting another group, those who care to help someone in need versus those who do not have compassion over someone in need. However, a deeper look at this scripture provides a much more important message. Not about criticizing a person or a group of people and their actions. No. The passage is much more than that. It is about a way of living that gives birth to life, eternal life. Jesus knows what we want to do and what we want to say before we do or say it. The lawyer who approached Jesus had ill intentions. He put Jesus to the test and sought to justify himself. But Jesus flipped that script and made the lawyer answer his initial question. Jesus knows our thoughts and actions before we perceive them. Let us take a deep dive into what is happening in this text that is an error. First of all, this man makes a scene because he stood up and dared to test our Lord Jesus. Imagine that. Clearly, this lawyer was full of himself when he asked Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? The devil was all in this man, and he didn't even know it. Ekparazo means test or tempting in the Greek language, which according to Bible scholars signals explicitly the challenge to one's honor that is posed by a question. The lawyer, moreover, was recognized as an expert in these matters because in Jewish society, there was no distinction between civil law and religious law. This lawyer was an expert in scriptures. What must I do to inherit internal, eternal life? He knew the answer to the question when he posed the question to Jesus. The lawyer wanted to trap Jesus and dishonor him, but how many here know today that you cannot trap or trip up Jesus, the only one who is without blemish or sin? You cannot cause the perfect one, the Son of God, to stumble. You cannot outwit, outwit God incarnate. 
the creator of all life. You just can't do it. This lawyer put Jesus to the test, and Jesus turned the question back to the lawyer. Parents, I know you remember, as well as students have experienced today, when you had a burning question to ask in the classroom, and when you asked that question of the teacher, in turn the teacher said, hmm, now that's a good question. Why is such and so? It makes you think, because you were expecting a response to your question, not a challenge to answer it. Sometimes we really don't know the answer to the question, and sometimes we want to test the teacher and take the opportunity to shine among our peers. Such was the case with the lawyer, because he did not stop with the first question. The second error he made was he, uh, his attempt to justify himself by asking Jesus another question. When I read the lawyer's question, I detected a bit of an attitude because the scripture says, wanting to vindicate himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Brothers and sisters, sometimes in life, we get puffed up. We get so much knowledge and experience and are deemed the expert and leave no room to humble ourselves, even in the presence of our triune God. That was this lawyer. He's what my Nana would call a know-it-all. He wanted to show Jesus, Jesus a thing or two, and Jesus was about to give him the lesson of his life. I thank God for his one and only son who has love and patience for humankind, that he would provide affirmation as well as a parable for the lawyer to understand. When the lawyer tests Jesus and Jesus asks him, what is written in the law? What do you read? And he answers, you shall love the neighbor, you shall love your Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus affirms his response, saying, you have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. Orthos is the Greek in the Greek language is the word that means right or correct. Dikaios in the Greek language means righteous. Had Jesus affirmed the lawyer by saying, you have given a righteous answer, he would have stopped right there because the word righteous would indicate the lawyer not only knows the law and commandments, but also does the law and commandments. But the lawyer gives no indication that he is a doer of God's commandments. He merely recites the commandments, hence he gave the right answer. Therefore Jesus says, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. Now who is being put to the test? I imagine 
The lawyer was a little embarrassed. Maybe other people were present and the lawyer felt his reputation was at stake because the scripture says, but wanting to vindicate himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? It seemed the lawyer was trying to get Jesus to give him a to-do list for inheriting eternal life. And now the lawyer was specific. Who qualifies as my neighbor? This lawyer's question was influenced by the society in which he lived. First century Judaism was ordered by boundaries with specific rules regarding how Jews should treat Gentiles or Samaritans how priests should relate to Israelites, how men should treat women, and so on. The boundaries allowed for certain groups to establish their position, power, and privilege. Maintaining the boundaries was vital to social order and control. Jesus responds to the lawyer's question, who is my neighbor, with a parable of the Good Samaritan, which shows him how to inherit internal, eternal life by living or doing God's commands to love God and neighbor. Beloved, God wants us to know that all people are our neighbors, no matter what race, no matter the gender, the age, religion, or socioeconomic status. And God wants us to be neighborly and to seek justice for all people because, because knowing and doing God's greatest commandments, loving God and neighbor leads to salvation and eternal life in Christ. My goodness, you might be thinking, whew, that's a lot. How do I know who my neighbor is when I see one, and what am I supposed to do? Before you panic about all of that, who is your neighbor and how you're supposed to be neighborly, think about the people in your circle of friends and acquaintances. Most of us have literal neighbors who live next door. We know people in our neighborhood with whom we are cordial and friendly. We see them around town in places like the grocery store and the town center. Jesus answered the questions, who is my neighbor and what does it mean to be neighborly in the parable of the Good Samaritan? First, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Jesus did not give a name to this man. Jesus did not say if the man was young or old or rich or poor. He did not provide the man's nationality or ethnicity. He appeared to be just an ordinary man traveling from point A to point B. On the other hand, Jesus was very descriptive in telling what happened to the man along the way. The man was robbed, stripped, beaten, and left for dead. This man was in need of some serious help. Verse 30 is the answer to the question, 
who is my neighbor? The lack of descriptors besides the article A for the victim in this parable implies anyone is your neighbor. Anyone is my neighbor. The descriptors that follow what the robbers did to a man implies one who is in need. Therefore, our neighbor is anyone who is in need. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. The scripture does not tell us why the priest and the Levite did not stop to help this man. Although many commentators argue that they are seeking to avoid defilement from touching or even coming in proximity to a dead or bleeding body, they were obligated under the law to care for those in distress, even the dead, if they were the first on the scene. The priest and Levite are not symbols of what is wrong. I repeat, are not symbols of what is wrong with law or with Judaism, but simply a failure to do what needs to be done. They are rather highly religious people who fail to act in compassion or even out of obligation toward one who is in desperate need. Verse 27 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So how do we become doers of God's commandments to love God and neighbor? In the Jewish community, a classic parable is composed of a few elements, including a villain, a victim, would-be heroes, and a hero. Jesus uses the most unlikely person in this parable to be the hero or savior. He uses a Samaritan. According to Bible scholars, by making the hero of the story a Samaritan, Jesus challenges the lifelong standing enmity between Jews and Samaritans. The Samaritans were regarded as unclean people, descendants of mixed marriages from, that followed from the Assyrian settlement of people from various regions of the fallen northern kingdom. Samaritan as hero erases dividing lines of race, religion, socioeconomic status, and so on. The victim in the story will not discriminate. He needs help. Anyone who stops and helps is his neighbor. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came upon him, and when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, treating them with oil and wine. Then he put, on him his own, put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. Then the next day, took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you 
whatever more you spend. The unsuspecting Samaritan sought after a complete stranger. His love for God and neighbor was put into action. The Samaritan came upon the beaten man. He was moved with compassion, bandaged his wounds, treated him with oil and wine, put him on his animal, brought him to an end, took care of him, paid the innkeeper, and committed to repaying additional costs for his care. That is our neighbor. Finally, Jesus asked, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise, much like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The good Samaritan was there in the time of need, acting out of love and compassion, providing healing and picking up a man when he stumbled, carrying him to safety, providing for all of his needs, putting a helper on his pathway and in front of him in the form of a innkeeper and checking on him to make sure he was on the mend. Brothers and sisters, if we heed Jesus' command to go and do likewise, then we are all neighbors, putting our love for one another into action, doing the right thing, and taking responsibility for what we did not do like the Samaritan in helping others. The good news today is now that we have identified who our neighbor is, we can go out and show the world what it means to love God and neighbor. Amen? Amen.